Today's Movie Lovers Unite podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We decided to partner up with BetterHelp because we know that therapy can help save lives, as well as help mental health, and and BetterHelp will help you find the right therapist for you without waiting in a doctor's office. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in, in relationships or at work not dealing with the, well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapies is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Movie Lovers Unite. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash www.betterhelp.com forward slash movie lovers unite. That's betterhelp.com slash movie lovers unite and get your 10% off today. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast episode, I actually have Christopher with me again. Say hello to everyone. Hello. And we're actually going to be reviewing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, starring Jack Nicholson. This movie came out in 1975, and I figured, you know, since this is the month of mental health and everything, what better way to do this on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. This is actually my first time seeing the film. I never saw the film at all. I remember my grandmother actually giving my mom the VHS tape for her to go ahead and check out. And so I never got around to actually seeing it until yes until yesterday, to be honest with you. So what did you think about the movie whenever it first came out? Well, what did you think when you watched it? I actually liked it, to be honest with yeah. you. I ended up liking it. I felt like Jack Nicholson was there mostly to help rather than mm-hmm. rather than to be checked in. Yes, he he's a criminal and stuff like that, and yes, he wanted to get away from everything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, I felt like he was actually helping some of the patients, even though Nurse Cratchit wasn't was actually one of the main people that wasn't really helping them. They were basically in group therapy section sessions and everything else. It was just like a simple repetitive theme over and over again without getting through to some of the patients. And everything, and it seemed like you needed someone like Jack Nicholson's character just to start the fire and to be able to help these people and everything, too. Because I felt like, even with Sheaf and everything, too, I felt like he gave him a purpose and things like that, too. And, you know, I really liked Sheaf's char- character was my favorite was my favorite character of, the, of them all, to be honest with you. Don't get me wrong, I liked... Uh, Bobby and everything else though too but it just seems like that character stood out to me uh, for who he is and everything and plus if you stay quiet long enough if you start um, you know what I'm saying if basically if people think that you're crazy they're going to think that you're crazy so that's basically the analogy that Chief pretty much gave them and everything too so I definitely love Chief's character he was actually the smartest one out of the bunch and everything when you looked at it 
but I also like Christopher Reeve's character. That I thought his character was very good. Yeah, it's so. it's interesting. I love this movie. Um, I'm a huge Milos Forman fan anyway, the guy who directed it. And um, I, I read the book when I was a kid before I saw the movie. And uh, it's interesting because the book presents things in a different light. If you, you know, like you're saying, uh, Nicholson's character, right? McMurphy is, is right. kind of like almost like an anti-hero kind of, right? And he's mm-hmm. in there for, for uh, you know, statutory rape right uh with an older uh girl still a girl and it's not a cool thing but if you go to the book he i mean they they really hint that he uh he was there because he raped a nine-year-old girl and it really kind of takes the it changes the character right (laughs) you're not quite (laughs) as fond of him (laughs) as as you are in the movie um and it's interesting it's narrated by uh by chief um so it's it's actually McMurphy's character is almost almost secondary to Chiefs in in the book. It's True. a great book. Everybody should check it out. But the movie is fantastic. Um, not least of all because of all of the people who got their mm-hmm. start in it, right? Uh, right. Christopher Lloyd, Danny DeVito, um, Brad Dorif. Yeah. Um, this is pretty right. amazing. It is really amazing because here's the thing. I didn't know Brad DeWarf was even in this until I looked at the IMDb afterwards. And I'm like, it just goes to show you how many years have passed. And then all of a sudden he becomes this horror icon mm-hmm. and everything too with, uh, with child's play and stuff like that. Not only that, but this is also one Jack Nicholson, the Academy Award and everything right. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting because Brad Dourif, um, Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito and Dourif has the bigger part. The other two have kind of uh, minor roles, but all three of them are playing character. Like they, they all kind of became these actors where we kind of had an idea of what their character was and what we would expect from a role from them. And in this movie, it's completely different, right? I mean, they're not playing that Danny DeVito is not playing his usual character. You would expect neither is Christopher Lloyd and and Brad Dourif certainly isn't right. No, definitely not. (laughs) But yeah, I, I found his, uh, to be, like I said, I found sheep's character very interesting and, and stuff like that too. I had a feeling that he was one of those guys that knew what was going on, but was pretending, Mm -hmm. uh, pretending just to be mental just so that he can fool everybody basically. Right. Right. Now it's a great scene, isn't it? Where, um, where uh, McMurphy offers him that stick of gum and he's like, you know, not talking the whole movie and then thank you. And Jack Nicholson will look on his face and Chief is just looking down in his lap like it's nothing. He hasn't just blown his cover and, and McMurphy's just sitting there, you know, just flabbergasted. So it's a, it's a really, uh, really neat scene. Yeah. It definitely the Simpsons. Is. Go ahead, right. man. Yeah, and then he also gives him another piece of gum because he's actually shocked because he's right. not sure if he heard what he heard. So he gives yeah. him a second piece. He goes, "Juicy fruit." Ah, juicy fruit. <laughs> fruit. The uh, the Simpsons did a great riff on this, where um, Homer um, offers uh, the chief or somebody who's supposed to be a chief in this mental institution something, and uh, the chief's like, "Thank you." And all the orderlies like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" He talked. He's like, "I just need someone to reach out to me." <laughs> Exactly. And then also, too, I want to also talk about during the interview, whenever 
uh, Nicholson first when McMurphy first gets into the office and everything, and the guy's like, "Well, um, you don't seem like you're mental or anything like that. You don't seem like you have any." He goes, "Why do they send you here?" He goes, "Because I, I figured this would be a great way for me to finish off my sentence instead of me being in the prison." Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and then then you know, it winds up being quite a shock to him when he realizes that. Yeah, he doesn't have to do the hard time for that, whatever it was, 60 days, 68 days. He doesn't have to do that hard time, but then finds out he doesn't have a release date anymore, right? It's totally up to Ratchet um, on, on when when he's free and the doctors. So it kind of it comes to, you know, he was trying to screw around, right, just to beat the system. And then suddenly finds out that the system really beat him. Exactly. And he was just trying to basically just have a cakewalk of a time because he's like, well, there's a difference between doing 15 to 20 in prison, but there's a difference over here, over here. Whenever they tell you that you can get out, you can get out. And then they also find out that people are actually voluntary and people that are voluntary can get out anytime. And that's really another shot to him. It's a, it's an amazing scene, right? When he, when he suddenly real, and I think it's one of his most honest times, McMurphy's where, he suddenly realizes all these people are he like him and maybe one or two other people are the only ones actually committed and everybody else is, is there voluntary. And I love when he's, you know, looking at, at Billy Babbitt and going, man, you're just a kid. What, why are you here? You know? Right. And uh, it's, it's a very honest thing. I, I think Nicholson pulls it off. He awesome. definitely does. And Billy is actually one of my other favorite characters though, too. Because, you know, he does have some childish tantrums. Yes, he has some delusional stuff, and then only that, but he's also but he's also uh, trying to commit suicide and everything else, though, too, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the really interesting thing that Foreman did with Billy's character is, you know, he, he stutters, has this horrible stutter through the whole movie. And then, of course, he winds up in bed with this, um, with one of uh, McMurphy's uh, girlfriends and when he comes out when he gets discovered by ratchet and she's talking to him uh, it's hard to notice because it's only a few words but he doesn't stutter right he his stutter is completely gone and then when she says i'm going to tell your mom i'm going to tell your mom and he freaks out then his stutter kicks back in it's really it's almost like mcmurphy uh found the way to fix him right found the way to make him um uh, deal with some of that stuff and then the system came right back in and, and destroyed him again. So it's really interesting. It definitely is interesting because Ratchet is supposed to be there to help them. And instead she just antagonizes them to the point where they feel like they can't overcome whatever they're trying to overcome, to be honest right. with you. And then here comes McMurphy who basically helps him get laid and everything. And he winds up having no stuttering problems. He has a little bit of a backbone and then all of a sudden Ratchet comes in there and yeah. just tears into him. And next thing you know, he's stuttering, winds up coming back, like you said. And, yeah. you know, I just feel for him, though. I feel for this yeah. kid. And especially whenever he said the reason why he wanted to kill himself in the first place was because the person he proposed to said no to him. Yeah. And, yeah. and then he winds up falling for Jack Nicholson's girl and everything in this, though, too, which who he winds up sleeping with. <laughs> but... You know, I thought that was an interesting take. And then also, too, I liked how he was trying to get Chief to play basketball. He goes, throw your hands up. As a tall guy like you and everything, you should be able to go on ahead and play basketball. And 
He's like, hold your hands up. <laughs> so, um, it's, but yeah. It's, it's funny watching that at your second time, right? Because by then you already know that Chief is, he's pretty much faking, you know, being deaf and dumb. Right, And right. so when you, um, when you uh, go back and watch us, and I've watched it so many times, but when you go back and watch it the next time, you're watching him do this and you see, chief kind of starting to react and your feelings totally different, right? Like, like the first time you see that, you're like, wow, he's really responding. You know, McMurphy's really reaching him, but you see it the second time you're like, Oh my God, he's so playing everybody. Right. Cause now you (laughs) know where he is. And so it's interesting that uh, it's, it's definitely one of those movies where the second time around uh, you're able to start picking things up. Right. Definitely. That that make more sense. Mm-hmm. I'm disagreeing with you. Go on ahead. Yeah, that's all I was saying. Okay, but also too, another thing though that I want to mention is some of the other people that have been here. They have Max Taber, that's um, and Jeff's uh, Selfid and Bruce uh, Frenixson, the farmer of who gives his medicine to the later. But also too, we also have like I mentioned, Martinis in this too, who's a delusional and innocent, basically. Because this is an innocent person, pretty much, and repressed uh, homosexual Dale Harding's in this movie too. That's right. actually uh, another character that's in this mental institution as well. Uh, and then, of course, um, Billigand and Profane Max Taber mm-hmm. as well. Um, but still, the characters in this movie feels very relatable and stuff like that too. And for it to be in 1970s and everything else, I feel like this movie's also a little, a little bit of ahead of its time because look at everything now with homosexuality and stuff like that. And then they introduced it into this film in the 1970s, which is a risky move back then, which yeah. I really have to admire about that for them to be able to put that in there. Yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, they had the shot. Uh, so uh, what's his name? Uh, Kirk Douglas was the first mm-hmm. guy to actually, they did a play of this. And so Kirk Douglas played McMurphy in the play and, um, uh, he loved the show. And so he bought the rights, the film rights to it. And he shopped it from, from, uh, studio to studio to studio and nobody wanted to buy it. Uh, and eventually he sold the rights to his kid, Michael Douglas. And, uh, and then eventually he found somebody who would a studio that would do it. But yeah, I mean, to your point, nobody did want to do it. You know, they just, uh, people were avoiding it until someone said, okay, we'll take a chance. Exactly. And also too, another thing that I wanted to get to as well is, is Ratchet sees McMurphy as a lively rebellious uh, presence as a, and a threat to her authority. Mm-hmm. And I have to laugh at how he starts off with, the gambling with the cigarettes and everything. And then right. Martini's like, hit me. Just motherfucker. I, look, you have 20. Hit me. <laughs> this is not, as you can see, he's starting to lose it with all these people, right? Right. This exactly. is not, these are not two nickels. <laughs> he's like, um, look, right. Then, yeah, but, uh, yeah go, go on ahead, Ben. Go on. I was going to say, um, uh, you know, talking about the the um, conflict between McMurphy and and Ratchet, um, it's uh, 
she's really interesting. You know, when, when she starts, she's just very condescending to everybody. Right. And, and you can even see like the orderlies and the nurses when they come in, just kind of how they respond to her. Right. So she's obviously very condescending to them too. Um, but then when, you know, when they're in that room, that scene where all the doctors and there's kind of a board going on, they're deciding whether or not McMurphy needs to be sent back to prison or not. And everybody wants to send him back. And she turns around and says, you know, I feel like we'll be, we'll be just pushing our problems somewhere else. I think we should keep. And I feel like when you see the look on her face at that point, it switched from her just being condescending like she is to, to all of the other um, patients to wanting to break him. Right. And at the same time, we already know he's trying to break her. So it's a, it's an interesting struggle as to who's gonna, and of course it's him, right. He breaks first. Um, She might get upset. He wins a, a, makes a couple of small wins, but she wins at the end end. where it counts. Yeah, absolutely. And took away his spirit, though, too, which is why yeah. the outcome at the end of the film, we'll get to that in a few. But, you know, I re- another thing, though, too, I like how he wants to watch the World Series and he's over there breaking her balls and everything about watching the World mm-hmm. Series. He's like, come on, the vote is eight. Eight. Right. She goes, well, you need nine. Well, he goes, okay. If so, if I get somebody else and everything, we can watch the World Series, right? Because, right. yeah. Because she said, well, there's only eight people in this group. You would have to get a vote of all the people that's in here. So he goes on ahead and tries to get everybody to vote. And so he goes, ah, you see, we we got one. We got one. And she goes, I'm sorry, but but it's over with now. He goes, no, it isn't. It's over. (laughs) Right. Now, I love um, the next scene where he's talking with the doctor. And the doctor says, you know, you don't really care for her, do you? And he's like, no. And he's like, why? And he's, she, she likes a rigged game, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he's absolutely pegged her right there. You know, she, she knew she ended it in time that he wasn't going to get that person, you know? And, and again, it was just another step to try to break her, break him, but he wins that one, right. When they start pretending that there's actually a, uh, a game going, which is exactly. just an amazing scene. I mean, it's so cool. Like, you see the spirits of the all these other guys, and and it seems like even Nicholson at that point almost believes they're really watching the game. You know, they all get caught up in it, and it's it's a very bleak film. And so that's a that's one of those scenes that's actually kind of um, uh, not bleak. You know, that's actually uh, encouraging and positive, and kind of breaks up all the the fog on either side. Right, exactly. And then <laughs> it's also not a date too- movie. Not a no, movie you're taking your, your first date to, right? Definitely not. Definitely not. I know one thing. That would be awkward as anything just to take someone on a date to go see this movie for the very right. first time. I'm, I'm like, hey, do you want to see a guy who's actually going into a mental institution on secretary rape and trying to get over the system? She's like, right. uh, let's see. I got an appointment with the doctor. I got to go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But. Yeah. But. Another thing, though, too, is the part with the water fountain makes me laugh, though. Whenever he goes, mm. I'm going to take this fucking thing and I'm going to chop it off the, uh, throw it out the window. Right. And, of course, he's trying to pick up on it and everybody's just watching him and looking at him. <laughs> and everything, right. of course, he never does. And, he, of course, everybody's bidding their cigarettes at that point, uh, bidding their money at that point, though, too. Right. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because... 
a bunch of them jump in. I think Christopher Lloyd starts first, right? Throw money in because none yeah. of them think he can do it. But as he's really trying to do it, you can almost see in their faces, like, is he going to make it? You know, is he going to, is he going to, going to actually pull it up? And of course he doesn't, but then it makes the end scene so much more powerful. Right. And very right. symbolic. Definitely. And also too, I want to go into the whole thing where he breaks everybody out of, uh, out and everything to go to the Pacific ocean to go, uh, to go and, uh, fish. Right. And everything too. I thought that was really cool because he gets chief to lift him up over the, um, over the rail and everything over the right. um, fence. And then he goes into the bus. And then next thing you know, he, sh- he uh, winds up sliding down to where nobody could see him. And then after that, once everybody's in and everything, that's when he goes and takes them on this road trip yeah. to yeah. the Pacific ocean. And for me seeing that, it makes me think of, okay, there's more to this, more to the world than what's inside those four walls. You guys have to yeah. experience life outside these walls. Yeah. yeah it's what I got out um, of it. it. It's a fun scene, right? It's another scene that's not bleak. And you actually get to see these guys, almost people for that you don't see very often, right? Usually they're portrayed as their disease, right? And they're, they're being nuts and they're, they're acting like what you would expect stereotypical you know the old idea of of mental institutions and stuff but in that scene they're just especially when he catches a fish and all of a sudden everybody forgets everything and they're trying to catch it and they're they're yelling and they're all excited it's just really a um a a neat scene to see it's also interesting that it's the first time you kind of get a glimpse that maybe chief isn't as um, as dumb as he appears, right? Or unaware as he appears. Uh, when when Nicholson hops over, right? He just gives that that slight smile, you know, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that little smirk of a smile is definitely mm-hmm. something that I really liked about it, though. Too, he's like, okay, yeah. you're, he really got away. He's really slick at it, just like. Right, right. But I also liked how he promised, uh, how uh, McMurphy promises him, hey, it's going to be you and I breaking out of here soon. You and I are going to be the ones who go out and right. everything. Right. We're going to leave all yeah. this shit behind. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And he means it, right? He's not mm-hmm. He's not screwing around with them. He really, they, they form that relationship, which is kind of, you know, it's like Chief gets through to McMurphy as well, right? And. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of cool. I'm interested. So, you know, I saw this movie, gosh, in early eighties cause I'm old. And so mm-hmm. I saw it, um, a long time ago and I've watched it. I can't even say how many times. Um, but I always get the same feeling because I saw it way, way back then. So now you're seeing it fresh yesterday. How does it hold up? Do you think to today's standards? To be honest with you, I think it's a little outdated a little bit, but it still mm-hmm. serves a purpose to me. I, there are a lot of things that are done differently today whenever you look at uh, psychiatry and stuff like that. During that time, it was the story actually pl- takes place in 1963. So, you know, those kind of experiments and stuff like that, they might do a little bit of those experiments, but I feel like some of those exper- uh, experiments are more harmful than some, and then they probably don't even do them that much anymore. Right compared to now, but I do feel like some of it might be a little dated and everything, but still, I feel like the whole entire plot line in itself stands out on its own merit without having to introduce us into cell phones and all that other stuff and make it more updated. So I feel like it actually grabs your attention right away. 
right? I feel like a lot of people, when it came out, right, which, what, 71, 72, I don't know, sometimes 75. 70s. 75. Oh, that yep. way. Anyway, so um, I, I think, you know, for a lot of people, it was probably, at the time, probably a real revelation at some of the things that, that might be going on in these institutions, right, of abuse and, and, and not helping them and uh, your patients. And I would imagine when you watch it now, I mean, we've actually seen and gone through these investigations, right. Of found these homes that were, were taken advantage or abusing or just not mean caring for, for their patients and it's gotten fixed. So I wonder if it's really, and it's still, I mean, just an amazing film, but I wonder if it's, um, if it's, uh, um, as, I don't know about believable, but just as as uh, eye-opening as it was right. that, you know, it was, I think, uh, um, uh, just eye-raising. I feel like that is still as powerful as it is today, especially mm-hmm. when we look, because don't forget, back in 1963, people weren't really knowing any, how to cure certain things or anything like that. They were just going with experimentations and hoping that something would come out of it. Today, we have medicine and stuff like that that's more aware of other people's behaviors and stuff like that and wanting to help people versus this this way because we actually know what we're dealing with in a sense. But at the same time, we do still probably go through some experimental stuff with just taking the medications and stuff. But as right. far as the physicality of going through electric therapy and stuff like that, I don't think that it's that extreme as it once was. I don't know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I think a lot of that now has been um, uh, we're aware of it now, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas we might not have been uh, back then. And I don't know. I actually meant to look this up, and I didn't get a chance to do it. But I, I'm curious if it happened to um, uh, work the same way, like maybe Serpico did, right? Where it kind of brought up all this. This movie brought up all this real time corruption that was going on in in the police department in New York. And I wonder if this was similar in that uh, not only was it kind of referring to these things that can happen, but if it actually turned up things where people suddenly started becoming more aware and started to really look into them, I wonder like which came first, right? Which is chicken, which is the egg. Right. And then also too, with this, there's also another thing that I want to bring up is the fact that um, after their whole entire deal with uh, going out to fish and everything else, that's when they get punished with electric shock therapy at the shock right. shop. And that's, and that's when, of course, we get that great scene with Chief and Jack McMurphy uh, where he actually hands Chief the gum, and then that's when mm-hmm. he realizes that he can talk. And the next thing you know it, they do the electric shock therapy on him. And then after that... Um, then I have to laugh at McMurphy, who returns to the ward pretending to be brain damaged from it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's real foreshadowing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you look at yep. him, the way he walks in there, and then, of course, what happens at the end, uh, I, think it's, I think it's real big foreshadowing for what's coming. Most definitely. Because I didn't think about the foreshadowing until, like, after the fact, after mm-hmm. everything's all said and done. But, yes, very big eye-opener for the foreshadowing of what happens towards the end of the film. Uh, then also too, I have to laugh at the whole Christmas party thing where he throws, where McMurphy winds up throwing a Christmas party. And of course 
the one of the orderlies that's in this movie actually plays in The Shining, plays the caretaker oh, in The Shining. Scatman Crothers, man, yes. I love that guy. Oh, he he has such a cool vibe to him, though. Like, oh, even man, when he was awesome. I like him as an actor. He had this cool sway about him whenever he's uh, acting and everything. Yeah, he had this yeah. cool vibe with him. He was a very cool guy. Um, but yeah, but then um, at the Christmas party, he ends up sneaking Rose and, of course, uh, trying to candy. Think, yeah, Rose and Candy into um, the psych ward and everything with mm-hmm. bottles of alcohol. And of All course, right. he does wind up paying um, the orderly off. <laughs> yeah, and sex is kind of how <laughs> what seemed like. <laughs> like, <laughs> like well, the last place. I guess she took one for the team there. She definitely did because remember Billy goes, I want to date with uh I want to I want to date with Candy. And he says, "When? Because you said you don't want to escape with uh Chief and I." He goes, "Right. Whenever." <laughs> so, right. Right. It's <laughs> so uh, innocent though. He's just so he's just such an innocent per- there's an innocence to him that I yeah. really like about him. Yeah, and it's interesting because McMurphy who's you know, basically a cynic and really is very self-involved. You know, you take it from everything you hear about him and a lot of what he says, but McMurphy gets caught because he wants to give this thing to Billy. Right. And and it almost seems like he's doing it out of some sort of goodness of his heart. Right. Um, Right. uh, and, And so it's just interesting to see a little bit of humanity come out of him and it's his downfall. Yeah, it's definitely his downfall because number one, he winds up falling asleep and everything doesn't escape with Chief at all. And then he winds mm-hmm. up uh, waking up and that's when Reverend Ratchet comes in. And of course, you know, we already saw that she threatens Billy after uh, he stands up to her and then he has a stuttering him back. And then that's also the repercussions of him actually killing himself. Yeah. And that's when Jet Nicholson goes on ahead, McMurphy, he goes on ahead and just... Uh, strangles her. Yeah, he snaps. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Because basically at that point, I felt like at that point and everything, it was like, okay, it's because of you is the reason why we have someone dead now. It's not because of the fact I brought alcohol into this place. It's because of the fact that you've treated your patients like crap. Right. And and you also undermined them into who they are and got rid of representation of who they are. To the point where they don't think that they can actually cope with everyday life. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. He misses his second time to to escape because of Billy, right? Because he he's still got the keys that he's gotten from Scatman. They've already closed the window, and so he's trying to get the right key to unlock it. And the other orderly sees him and tries to stop him. They're going to fight, but then the nurse screams, you know, at, at we haven't seen it yet, but at Billy's uh, suicide, and that guy runs off, and at that point, the window's open, and McMurphy could have hopped out and taken off, but of course he doesn't. Instead, he goes to look in on Billy, and and then that's really where where he snaps. But um, it, it's interesting. Billy kind of stopped him twice from getting out of there. Right. Know? And then I have to laugh how they throw Kenny and Rose out and everything, and Kenny and Rose are waiting outside the window, waiting for McMurphy to come out. All right. And then, of course, he winds up coming back because, number one, Chief is not behind him either. So that would be like him breaking a promise to the Chief right? and everything, too. So basically, he had 
he had Billy to blame, but he also didn't want to leave Chief behind either. So it was like yeah. a two two for right there. And then of course, after that, after everything is said and done, she winds up pretty much cutting off uh, path, passages to his brain, McMurphy's brain, and right. everything. Yeah, well, she uh, lobotomizes him. Yep, I couldn't think right, of the word. So. Right. That that was a nice that was a nice replacement though. Cut out parts. <laughs> well, that was a good cover. Nobody knew. Nobody could tell. You got it. Right. Well, this is why I'm not it, a man. This is why I reviewed him. <laughs> but yeah, she lobotomizes but, him, and wow, what a shock! Right. Um, he, he took. She took away. His I spirit. cry every time I see that scene. I don't want to be a wimp, but I do. Well, everybody, everybody who actually knows me knows I I cry at every movie ever. Um, but yeah, man, that scene, no matter how many times I see it, it just gets me because it's really like a full emotion that you're seeing from, from chief at that point. And he's really opened up at that part. Right. And he's like, I feel as, as big as a goddamn mountain. And, uh, it's just, and then he, you know, he realizes what they did to him and he does the right thing. Right. I mean, nobody wants to see McMurphy like that. And he's right. Yeah. He says, you know, you wouldn't want to be like this and I won't leave you like this. Um, exactly. I, I thought, man, it's a powerful scene. That is one powerful scene, to be honest with you. I felt like, okay, yeah. well, she took away your spirit and he's going to be a vegetable and everything. Yeah. And someone that's so lively like McMurphy, it's hard to see somebody like that. Cause, right. cause he built friendships with these people he actually felt part of the community and everything within that whole entire place, right. you know, but, you know, then of course, this is also the part that we were talking about when he, when sheep winds up lifting the water mm-hmm. fountain and everything. And he just goes on ahead, lifts it up, water's pouring all over the place and then just throws it out the window. And then he escapes and runs out. And then of course, that's whenever it winds up closing out. Right. Right. Yeah, and, you know, again, the difference between this and the book. So this, uh, I think it was a pretty, as much as it could, it was a pretty happy ending, right? I mean, it was it was very, really positive in that, you you know, he's beaten this, and now he's going on to, to live for him and McMurphy, and, and, uh, and he's gaining his freedom. In the book, <laughs> in the book, they, uh, earlier in the novel, they kind of... Um, uh, Casey makes some um, uh, comparisons to uh, uh, to animals to roadkill and stuff in this one section of the road, and that is where um, that's where Chief is running out to, right? And you you just get that feeling in the book. It gives you more of a feeling like it's just hopeless, right? That he's not, right. he's not going anywhere. It doesn't feel happy, almost the same exact scene, but it doesn't feel happy. It doesn't feel like chief is winning anything. Um, and uh, so it's, it's interesting in the movie. I think they, they try to make it seem that way, right? Kind of an uplifting end for chief anyway. Right. It's like, well, I'm going to go on ahead and carry on the spirit of McMurphy. I'm going to go on ahead and do what he was planning on doing for me. With me escaping, it's like he's a, he's with me wherever I go. Right. Yeah. 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 Will Sampson. Awesome. Awesome actor. Right. I really Died like- as part of the uh, part of the poltergeist curse. 
Oh yeah, I remember that whole entire poltergeist curse thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he was taken down in that thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this movie is fantastic. I recommend anybody mm-hmm. that who hasn't seen it check it out. Like I said, it might be a little dated in certain areas, but it still will grab your attention. It will still make you yeah. uh, tear up as well. And also, too, is the characters are very relatable and stuff like that as well. So I had a lot of fun watching this film for the very first time and just enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those films that uh, everybody should should try to see, right? Just, um, just because it's one of those classic movies and it's beautifully made and has these amazing character actors in it and you get to see them kind of at the beginning of their, their talents, right? Even Nicholson hadn't done too, too much at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, it's just, wow. It's, it's just a great movie to see, right? It's, it's, if you really, if you don't see it, I, I, I wouldn't consider you an American. Not at all. <laughs> Most definitely. So, yeah, that's not right. so is there anything else that you wanted to add to the movie or is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Well, so, you know, me, uh, trivia, right? A lot of useless knowledge in my head. So uh came up with some interesting trivia. So apparently uh, there are only three movies that ever won, um, gosh, what is it? Best picture, best actor, best, best adapted screen screenplay, best directing. And just like this whole slew of them, there's only three. And of course, Cuckoo's Nest is one. Uh, it happened one night is the second one. I never saw that. Is that about is that about the Titanic, maybe? I don't know. I haven't seen that one. I don't remember. It's an older one. But then uh Silence of the Lambs is the other one. Mm, so that's it's um one. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh just interesting trivia to me. You know. Okay. So with that being said, guys, that's gonna be it for the show. My question is this where can people follow you at if they wanna follow you? So um C T Minori on uh, on twitter um you can find me christopher minori on facebook and i just whoever wants to, to friend me can um and uh my website is minorjoystudios.com and you know my books and um and uh, audiobooks are available up on amazon it's easiest if you just do a search for my name uh my in fact yesterday my uh my latest book stealing destiny uh just came out on audiobook so oh nice good stuff yeah definitely go check those out um, they're good and speaking of audible you guys can go on hand and sign up and the link below to get a free 30-day trial so go on hand download chris's book and everything too yeah yeah i make uh, <laughs> and that's awesome because i usually tell people that because i make like a an extra bonus um from audible if people you know their yep. first um uh, choices is my stuff so okay Definitely worth it. Kind of funny. All right. So with that being said, guys, that's it for the show. I do appreciate Christopher. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a blast. Great. And yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. And of course, guys, if you guys want to donate to the page, how do you do that? Just go on ahead to go to www.gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast. And then, of course, if you want to go on ahead, get an audio only podcast episode wherever you guys get your podcast from. Just go on ahead, check out Movie Lovers Unite wherever you can go and get your podcast. And then, of course, for all your entertainment news and pleasures and everything else, just go to www.movieloversunite.com. Then, of course, you guys can go on ahead and follow me on Instagram at Movie Lovers, Movie Lovers Unite over there and on Facebook underneath the same 
same name. And then, of course, on Pinterest underneath the same name as well. You guys can also go on ahead and follow me under Movie Lovers Unit on Stereo and also on Twitter as well. If you've got a sponsor or anything like that, go on ahead, email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And those are all the places that you can reach me at. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. Can't wait to do this again. And bye-bye. Cheers.